What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Ty and Bob Pod. This is Tyler Dunn. That is Bob McGinn. It's a pleasure to have you, as always, here at GoLong. GoLongTD.com for all stories, all podcasts, everything you could possibly want this time of year. Uh, If you're a free subscriber checking in for the first time, you can subscribe to get everything we have to offer, eight bucks a month, 50 bucks a year. Going to definitely keep it at one speed to the finish line here, Bob. And then it's the off season, which is always a very, very fun time around here. Bob McGinn will be bringing his 40th annual draft series to go along. I'll be traveling around the country for some projects, some bigger stories. Nice to have a little more time to kind of let those breathe and, and, and dig into some reporting. So we'll do some of that, planning that out. But first... We've got Championship Sunday. Now, Bob, Jim Onis and I over at the Go Along Show, we dove uh, dove in pretty heavy to Chiefs, Ravens, and, and Lions, 49ers. Uh, but obviously here on this podcast, it's been heavy NFC North all season long. The Packers are eliminated. The Lions are now eliminated. And we're going to really put our focus on Dan Campbell and the game that everybody is still talking about. My God, it's Tuesday. And I was just, just turned on the TV, right? That's all. That's always a mistake. The daytime sports shows. Some of them are actually okay. He turned that on and everybody's debating Dan Campbell. And can you coach that way in the playoffs? And we're going to, we're going to get into it. I think everybody kind of knows where, where I stand and writing the column uh, that I did yesterday. I'm really looking forward to hearing what Bob has to say. I, I have no clue what, what Bob thinks on the matter, but uh, first thing before we get into anything, how's it going, Bob? Good to see you. Good. We're in the middle of a snowstorm here, Tyler, and uh, and it's beautiful out here in Southeast Michigan. Like that snow, like the cold, Tyler. Careful what you wish for. I mean, we don't really <laughs> verbalize that much here in uh, the greater Boston cold and Hamburg area of Western New York. Uh, but yes, it is beautiful out there. It was great to to see Bob and Pat on our Detroit Lions trip last week, getting out there, staying at McGinn HQ, throwing a whiskey back and uh, sharing some old stories. It was a lot of fun. Yes, we did. It was a great time. Yep. Uh, I was hoping maybe you would come this week had the Lions uh, survived. But for the 13th year, Tyler, the NFC North will not have a Super Bowl entrant. We've been NFC North centric this year, and it's another another season without. Yeah, there was a point when it was twenty four to ten, and the Lions were driving. I like uh, mentally prepared my wife that I might have to drive back out to Detroit this week, and you know, leave uh, Sonny and Ella behind for a couple more days. And we had that conversation. I, I literally went back to my office to watch the game. They went for it on fourth and two and failed, and basically the roof caved in on the Detroit Lions. So, uh, yes, not not in Detroit this week. I, I thought I would be, and I think everybody with a pulse thought that that that's where the game was going. So wh- why don't we just dive right into it? I want to know what you think of the aggressiveness. All right, so, you know, I mean, everybody's debating these whether to kick or not kick. You know, Tyler, I mean – I don't know what goes into these analytic charts, you know. I've never paid any attention. They say analytics says go for it. I'm a feel guy, and I defer to these 
analytic, these analyst guys, I mean, they know all these numbers and they've analyzed situations and scores and times of games to put this stuff together. And teams believe in that, and rightly so. Me, I tend to be conservative. I mean, I grew up in the world of football when field goal, everybody was kicking, you know. Uh, nobody was going for it on, you know, fourth and anything. Fourth and one, you were punting most of the time. So, you know, I'm a guy who just kind of likes, thinks field goal. And I, I admit I've had to change my uh, the way I look at things, and I do. And I'm just not going to really get into these field goals. I mean, he's a hero if he makes it. If he does, if he doesn't, he doesn't. I mean, you know, I don't know. I look at all the things, why all these the plays that he tried, why they failed. I mean, that's what I've analyzed here. That's what I've spent my life's work doing. And and then let's take a big picture look at the Lions, okay, Tyler, for a second. You know, do you have to lose one or two or three to get to the top? Well, Mike McCarthy got there in his second year, you know. I mean, in Green Bay, he got the playoffs. I mean, his second playoff year. Excuse me. In 07, he gets upset. 09, he gets beat out in Arizona. In 2010, he wins it. Bum Phillips with Love You Blue never made a Super Bowl. Don Coriel. Never never made a Super Bowl. Marty Schottenheimer, eighth all-time with 205 victories. Never made a Super Bowl. Tom Landry, couldn't win the big one for years. Finally did. Chuck Knox, 10th all-time with 193 victories. Never made a Super Bowl or an NFC title game. Andy Reid, it took him 21 years to get to a Super Bowl. He lost three NFC title games in a row with the Eagles. I covered two of those at the vet. Made the Super Bowl in his sixth year, but didn't win until his 21st. All right, so that takes it. Matt LaFleur right now is 0 for 5, and he's won a million games. He's never been to a Super Bowl. Um, I go back to Green Bay in the 90s. I mean, I lived that, Tyler. And every year they improve, 92, 93, 94, 95. I go back and read how I wrapped up those seasons. Every year there was improvement with Holmgren and Wolf. And then in 96, they obliterated the league. Michigan, I mean, close to home, you know. I mean, three years, same same time as Dan Campbell, three years. They get to the playoffs. They get emasculated by Georgia. They get to the playoffs. They get stunned off their feet by TCU. They get there this year, and they really dominate and beat Alabama, which nobody in the Big Ten really thought they could ever beat anybody could beat an SEC team. So how do I see Detroit? This guy's 47 years old, Dan Campbell. And I see him as an outstanding coach, Tyler. Outstanding. I see these interviews of these players on TV all year. He's got them eating out of their hand because he does things the right way. Things he says in the media, I've been quoting him all year. I could quote you again what he said the last after the game and then yesterday. All of it makes perfect sense. Um, and, guys, he's authentic. And players and coaches and scouts, they just trust that in this guy. So I believe they're going to be there. Now, they don't have a Brett Favre at QB or a great young quarterback, but they have a very good veteran quarterback. The NFC North is really going to be good. Green Bay's there now, I think, for the long term. I think the Lions are there for the long term. 
Um, and I think the Bears are much improved. And if the Vikings get Cousins back, they could win the division. I mean, they they just could. They have a lot of holes on defense if they don't sign Hunter. So I see that this division is a real comer. It's a crushing defeat for the Lions. I know, and I hear it on the radio when I was driving today for a while. All these fans, they're crushed. But they shouldn't be. This team won 14 games. They defeated uh, – they won two playoff games for the first time in forever. They uh, they go out to San Francisco as a seven-point dog and played brilliantly in the first half. How did they get this lead that all the people are now crying about? By making great plays. I mean, Williams on the reverse of the touchdown. Williams on the touchdown catch late. Gibbs on the 15-yard touchdown pass. The dominance of the old line. This You can't just ignore this stuff, how they got to that 17-point lead. Yeah, they threw it away against probably a better team. Um, nothing wrong with Brock Purdy. People belittle him. He's a heck of a player. So they lose on the road by three points, 34-31. Yeah, it's a sudden shock. But, you know, when you get to be my age, Tyler, you look at it long-term and kind of I take a long view of this stuff. And if I was Brad Holmes, He's the one who has to take the long view, and I'm sure he's extremely ecstatic about the future. Campbell, he's hurting like his players are. He's in the locker room every day. But give him a week, and he'll see what they did and what they got to do. And they're in it for real. So a, a tough, tough defeat. You know, a team that's never been in the Super Bowl in their 57 years or whatever it is. Just got to build off it, man. That's the way this business works. Man, that is so well said. Thanks for kind of taking a big picture. I, I do understand, though, the the angst and the exasperation and the emotion. Man, Dan Campbell's press conference is worth watching. I know I said it with Jim as well. Everybody should check that out. I and mean, you can just see the pain in the coach and, and imagine what that locker room was like after that game. And I think he's right. I mean, every team is different. There's going to be coaches who leave. What does Jared Goff look like without Ben Johnson? What does this offense look like without Ben Johnson kind of pulling those strings? Um, Defensively, do you lose some coaches? Defensively, you need some players. I mean, they've got to get better on that side of the ball. But how do you get better when you're going to be paying Panay Sewell and Amon Ross St. Brown and Jared Goff? And they've got a lot of of checks to kind of hand out here soon. So I get it. Like, you can kind of see on Dan Campbell's expression, he knew – it's going to be different next year. And it's not even about the names. Like he said, it's about everything that goes into building it right. Like he said, everything just has to be right. You need every single player genuinely buying into the message. And you've been hitting at it all season. I mean, this is such a no bullshit coaching staff. Um, so fundamentally sound. You're you're not going to see what you saw out of like a Zay Flowers on his meltdown in the AFC championship game. That That's just not going to happen. Nothing remotely close to that's going to happen because everybody is bought in every day of practice. It's not easy. I think, you know, you watch three hours of football on a Sunday and you assume that's all there is. I mean, this is alarm blaring at whatever, 5, 6 a.m. and needing to mentally put yourself in a place to pour yourself into the job and everything that goes into it. The prep, the practice, they actually use their padded practices. Alex Anzalone told me where a lot of teams don't. I mean, it's it's not exactly, you know, Junction Boys, but they're getting after it. 
to have to start from scratch, like to start from square one, you know, everything you've built to end like that, to get so close, man, it's going to be hard. It's going to, it's going to be hard. He even referenced what you just did too on, on the division itself. I mean, this is going to be a tough loaded division. So yeah, I, I'm probably where you are too. You know, this is, a team with a lot of promise because of Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes and what they've proven in, in three short years. But uh, you also never know. You, you never know when you're going to get back to that spot. How like, like Green Bay last week kind of assumed the same thing with Jordan Love and the offense and the explosion and the guarantee that they're going to get better. But you never really know when you're going to have that kind of momentum and that kind of feel, especially on offense if you're Detroit. Like they – they looked like a team that wasn't going to be stopped by anybody on any planet for one half of that football game in San Francisco. And and now that just vanishes and you've got to try to rebuild yourself to get back to that moment. I, I think it's especially hard for a Detroit because I think if you're a team like Kansas city with Patrick Mahomes, Buffalo with Josh Allen, you can't really say Lamar Jackson with the way he looked, but if you've got you know, Joe Burrow, even a CJ Stroud on the come up. If you've got a special quarterback, you might be able to put yourself at ease a little bit mentally and be like, okay, like we've got to start from scratch. We've got to do items A through Z this off season. Uh, but we've got the dude at quarterback and may- maybe Detroit does. I like Jared Goff as much as you, he's going to get paid a lot of money justifiably. So, but it's safe to say he's not a top three quarterback, top five quarterback who can just instantly make a lot of other problems go away. Like things were set up pretty good for him with Ben Johnson. And we just don't know what it's going to look like with a new play caller and a new coordinator. So I think that makes it a little tougher as well, but it was a hell of a season, man. It was one that uh, just, I mean, you're out there. Did, Did it just completely wake up all of Detroit and beyond in the state of Michigan? I mean, how, how did things just really change out there this year? You know, I can just compare it to living all those four decades in Green Bay, you know, Tyler? And it was like Green Bay in the mid-90s, in the early 90s. That's the way it was. You were in that locker room several times, Tyler. And just hanging, being around this area. Um, yeah, I just... I see this team four months from now, this is all forgotten and it's not a Super Bowl hangover. It's an NFC title game, whatever. These teams usually just keep building, you know, and they're a young team. These top four picks in the draft this year, those guys are all going to get better. Um, You know, the chemistry between Holmes and Campbell and that scouting staff and that coaching staff I know is outstanding. They could lose one or two coordinators. You're right, but uh, I think Campbell, people will want to coach with this guy. This guy's just beloved around the league. I mean, he's so unique. And I think, you know, that just gives him an edge. People are just going to want to play here. Mm-hmm. And a That's lot a of that, point. of course, depends on the salary cap. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I see him more – you know, more like a team that's just going to improve, like like the Wolf uh, Holmgren Packers did. 
That's a great point on coaching staffs too, that gets lost this time of year where there is a lot of movement. Like people in the league talk, they, they know what it's like to work for certain head coaches. We may or may not have had a three-part series down these lines with another head coach who has gone through quite a bit of turnover with his staff since he took over a certain team that's also adjacent to one of the Great Lakes. The The, the reputation of Dan Campbell is is sterling around the league, and, and guys are going to want to be around him. They're going to want to be a part of it. You want to be happy going to work. I mean, hell, there's that Bill's assistant who told me that, uh, I think this was in part one, you know, they they could be winning X amount of games in a row and it would feel like they were losing X amount of games in a row. Just this, the mood in the building. It, it didn't really feel like you were working for a higher cause, a higher purpose. Boy, it does. I imagine it feels like that with Dan Campbell. Like you are really a part of something special with this guy. And there's, there's only a handful of head coaches really like that in the NFL. I, I would assume it, it's hard to re- to really be in that true category. So They'll lose coaches, but you're right. They're, they're going to replace those coaches either internally or on the outside with the best options. Yeah. So should we look at the game, Tyler? Let's oh, do it. Where do you want to start? This. Greg Olson, the Fox commentator, he was beyond outstanding. Tom Brady's going to replace him. Are you kidding me? Greg Olson is the real deal. One of the best I've ever heard. He was just terrific. I saw him on the Combine telecast that I study, all that Combine stuff. Oh, my God, that's coming up. And he was good there, too. But And one more thing I just want to mention, you know, um, Michigan just lost their strength coach two days ago, Ben Herbert, and he went to the Chargers with Jim Harbaugh. Well, Jim had called him the second most or the most important guy in the whole football operation about a year ago when he gave, I think he boosted his salary to a million dollars. Well, Herbert had coached, he was the Badgers strength coach. And then when LaFleur fired Chris Gizzy as their number one strength guy, I think the same day Harbaugh went to San Diego, to LA, I believe, I immediately thought he's going to just offer the world to Ben Herbert and get him to Green Bay, returning to the Badgers state, you know, but it didn't happen. I would love to know the inside story on that because Herbert is the real deal. You saw Michigan winning a national title with a bunch of three and four stars. Um, yeah, that could lead to a player exodus out of here. He's that good. So let me start end with that and go to the Lions. All right, the receivers. Boy, there was a lot of blue in that crowd out there, wasn't there, Tyler? Yes. It's it's the way Green Bay fans traveled in those early to mid-90s. Um, a lot of that stuff. Perfect opening drive, 75 yards, one minute, 42 seconds. Um, I think the Packers started with an opening drive, too. I mean, in my mind, I was thinking, well, Green Bay did that. Green Bay did that. (laughs) All right, let's look at uh, St. Brown. God, he had four catches on third and medium to long. On that third and 10, he took that hook pattern and eluded the great Fred Warner, gained three after the catch for a gain of 11. He's a terrific blocker. He just has economy of movement to get open, you know? Yeah. He's just – and his feet hardly leave the ground. He's running like a little penguin. And he just he, – he cuts those those speed cuts to the outside, man. And golf just – they're a lethal combination. All right, let's go to Josh Reynolds. Economy of movement is the best way to describe 
a receiver like tight, that. No wasted know? motions. No. All a no. purpose. All right, Josh Reynolds. You know, three times he made crackbacks, either on Boza or Young, for games of 15, 6, and 16. He's a hell of a fierce blocker. So is St. Brown. Uh, Antoine Randall Ells, the wide receiver coach, and I don't think he would accept anything less. All right. The drop on fourth and two at the 28 in the third quarter when Dan went for it, passed up a 46-yard field goal. Yeah, he should have made the play. I mean, it's a little tiny bit off. He's just got to make the catch, period. Then the third and 10 on the dig route, crosser, would have been a 15-yard gain, man against D'Amador Lenore. He dropped this some bitch. I mean, you know, it's hard to win those games with two outright drives. Tyler, <clears throat> two things the way football advances, excuse me. <clears throat> football advances on offense, really. The number of drop passes nowadays is so much less than it was 25 and 30 years ago. The number of interceptions is so much less. It's like one-third the amount in the 40s and 50s, if you look at the stats. Now, I wasn't there then. But even when I was playing, when I was covering, a lot more picks. But the real category, fumbles. I can't believe it. All this vicious hitting and going for the ball. People don't fumble anymore, unless you're <laughs> Jameer Gibbs. We'll get to that. But they just don't fumble. I'm, I've never checked it. But you could look at league-wide fumble totals. No, running backs and receivers do not fumble. The coaching is that good, high and tight. It's emphasized so much. I don't know about you, but we had a million fumbles in high school football, and (laughs) coaches didn't go nuts, just kind of let them go, man. All right, uh, Jamison Williams. The end around for 42 and a touchdown. Right around Boza, makes uh, Lenore miss, outruns Greenlaw to the catch point. Ambry Thomas missed 42 yards. I mean, he can do that. He's a decoy, a clear-out guy. We've talked about that all year. Uh, He bobbled that ball. No, that ball was thrown behind him for 22, but it was a hell of a catch. That was against Ambry Thomas. First, I thought he bobbled it. No, it was behind him. It was a great catch. He had a chance on that flea flicker tie, right, for the 37-yard touchdown. Chance, yeah. I'm not blaming the guy. It was a pretty good coverage, pretty much bumping when the ball was coming. I'm not blaming him. It's a tough game. I thought you were going to go after nope. JMO pretty hard there. Nope. I'm going to get on. I'm going to get after him uh, two plays from now. Okay. The, th- okay. the three yard touchdown against Lenore it was a great catch in the back of the end zone to make it 34 31. That was a hell of a catch, Ty. And he caught that ball in his hands. Now let's go to third and goal on the one when Campbell mistakenly decided to run the ball when he had to throw. And that there was only a four-man front. He's right. There's only four down linemen for the Niners on that play. Ben Johnson said, go, run it, and they did. And the play's going to make it, except, except Jamison Williams misses the safety, Logan Ryan, coming firing in from the secondary, minus two. He missed the block. The play's there. They wouldn't have had to try an onside kick. Williams has been a pretty good blocker all year, but here he blew it, period. And then uh, Laporta, God, 13 targets, nine catches, 97. Right away, he took that huge hit from Greenlaw after about that 11-yard catch. Did you see him? 
pops right up right after what everybody thought would be a destroyed destructive hit by Greenlaw, who is a wicked hitter. He looks back, turned back, looked to him, said, "Is that all you got?" That's basically <laughs> what he was. The look implied, you know. Tough kid for a rookie. Uh, second effort as a blocker, he shows pretty good power for his size. Boy, he's money on those bootlegs. He and Musgrave and Kraft, this is going to be a battle for years for the top tight end and Komet in the division. Um, all right, that's it on the receivers, Ty. Any thoughts there? Should we go to the O-line? We can go to the O-line. I, I just love your observation on Jamison Williams. I, I hadn't even really caught that, that he, he missed the block. On Logan Ryan, unbelievable that Logan Ryan is still going strong. I think he's played in six conference championship games between New England, Tennessee, and San Francisco. Wow. Uh, he was with Tampa along the way, but not with uh, not with their championship team. Yeah, fa- fascinating guy. He, he was one of our early profiles at Go Long. Um, chatted hmm. with him at length about his wife had, had an unbelievable health scare when he was with the Giants. It was really, really scary, but they got through it. And mm-hmm. he's he's just the kind of leader that you that you want in mm-hmm. a locker room, and, and he's honest. He was he was on Cowherd yesterday. I was driving around. Colin Cowherd had him on, and the way he was speaking about this game, it was so honest. Like I, part of me thought, like I, I thought I saw him with San Francisco, but it, did he retire? And I didn't know it. And that was a different Logan Ryan. He was <laughs> that honest. It was it was refreshing to hear. Huh. He only played fourteen snaps. Goal line was one of his packages, and he made a huge play. All right, the old line. So they're down Jonah Jackson, left guard. And in my preview, I mentioned that Awasika, who had started three or four games, I wondered if he could hold up against Hardaway and Armstead. I'll tell you what, Tyler. After seeing that Green Bay and this game, I'm really disappointed in that Niner front. Those tackles, they didn't do shit. Armstead and Hargrave and Kinlaw and Givens. They just got drilled. They were getting moved all day long. Boza had some blows. Chase Young is just kind of a guy out there right now. Fred Warner is a hell of a player, and Greenlaw is pretty good. That defense is overrated. You got Oren Oren Burke sometimes plays on the strong side. We know he's nothing. They got dominated. Awasika, right away he missed Armstead. He got shoved out on a carry that only went for a yard, but he made a good pull on Randy Gregory. He didn't show up. He has pop. And I think they're going to let Jonah Jackson move on because of money. And maybe Iwasika is good enough to be a starter. I don't know. But he, he'd had no problem with Hargrave. He gave up one flush. Okay. The other, uh, oh, Skipper, the big, huge 6'8 guy, he played nine snaps, snaps in that jumbo package. And that was very effective stuff. Ben Johnson, I'll nail him for one, though. He gave up that sack to Boza in 3.1 on that inside move. He was on the right side next to Sewell, who was inside of him. So he was a tight end on the right. The outside guys got to block Boza. You got to have Sewell there and Skipper inside. Just switch the, uh, the announcement, the declaration. And it was a sack. All right, um, Sewell, first play, pulls right and decletes uh, Charvarius Ward. I mean, the, the guy's a menace on the move. Um, 
he had he missed Warner on a he overset on Warner on a carry that went for minus five. Other than that, I thought he really played good. Decker mauled Chase Young at the point of attack on a seven yard run. They were trying when Burks was on the field, they were trying to run at him, I think. He gave up one and a half pressures. Really good game for Decker. He came on down the stretch. And uh, so he's not over the hill. He'll go into his ninth year as their left tackle. Um, and Glasgow, who's going to be, you know, the uh, very outstanding low money guy off the street, uh, had another good game, gave up one hurry. You know, he moves pretty good for an older guy, for an eight year vet. Out in space, he looked pretty good on those bubbles. And Ragnow, man, I only got him for one half of the flush. We'll get to that play later. That was that crucial play on the final fourth down that failed. Uh, he got knocked on his ass on one fourth and three. Well, that was it. That was the play. Let's go to that right now, okay, Tyler? The fourth and three was 751 left at the Niner 30. So he disdains the 48-yard field goal. And he's going to throw the ball. They run a stunt inside. Uh, 98 is Hargrave and 91 is Armstead. The two tackles cross on a TT and they get the flush. Ragnow on the play gets knocked on his ass and Awasika was out of, out of kilter. So Dan figured it would work on fourth and three. It failed because of uh, blocking screw-ups, period. And that's the only screw-up I got for Ragno in that game, and probably one of only two or three for Awasika. You know, you're a play caller. You're a, a tactician. You've seen guys block well all game, and then this happens. It's tough, you know, but you can't finger your players. I can, but they can't, at least in public. But and those, when they're watching that tape, my God, how could Frank have that? You know, all right. Boy, it doesn't make um, sense, does it? Best center in the league. Yeah. And we got the offensive line. That's it there, Tyler. Should we go to QB? Any thoughts That's there? Yeah. All right, let's go to the QB. All right. Um, Goff was devastating on play action throws. Many of them with that sixth offensive lineman on the field. Um, he took that sack and 2.8. That was on him. The flea flicker. He had some pressure. The ball was badly underthrown. He doesn't have a great deep arm. Most of it's on him. Tight windows, Ty. We've seen it time and again. With time, he will pick you apart on those tight window throws inside. St. Brown and Laporta and even Reynolds. Um, third and 18, late second quarter. He drilled that 23-yarder to St. Brown. Whew. Late in the half, he missed Gibbs in the end zone on that 16-yard touchdown pass. Would have been. He missed it. That led to a field goal. Second half, he overthrew Laporta at the 10. I think that's set up a field goal as well, but I'm not sure of that. He made the great throw to Reynolds on fourth and two, and the ball was dropped. I consider it because he was getting bounced around in the pocket, and he had to climb it. All right, 9.42 left. They're up by three. No, they're... They're down three, starting on the 25. He missed Gibbs in the flat on second and 10, and then they eventually were stopped on downs. We described that play, didn't we not? Yeah. Yep. Fourth and three. Then 302 left, first and 10 on the 25. He's down 10. He took him down. Um, the failure on the goal line has nothing to do with him. 
So Purdy had a bad first half. Nah, not a bad one. Very, very mediocre. I thought Goff, he didn't have any turnovers in the playoffs. I don't remember. Fumbles, no. He played pretty good. He played his game. Wasn't enough to win. Thoughts on uh, all and all the running backs, and then you can sum up the O, Tyler. All right, Gibbs, 15 touches, 56. Montgomery, 17 touches for 113. Right off the bat, Gibbs, you know, there's just absolutely nothing at right guard. He shows patience. He bounces right, freezes the safety. The rookie, Brown, gains 10. 15-yard touchdown, made the veteran safety. Tayshawn Gibson, miss right at the line. 14 extra yards, touchdown. Um, he made a bad read. He bounced into Chase Young, minus two. Third and 12 on the draw. He outrun, outran the secondary and Greenlaw for 13 to the marker. What speed. Uh, he killed Warner in, the, uh, in that zone coverage. Should have been a touch on the touchdown. Oh, wait a minute. There's so many plays in this game. And then the ball was, that must have been the incomplete. Yeah, the ball was thrown incomplete. And let's go to the fumble. I still am not sure what happened, Tyler, on the play. I think it's on Gibbs. Well, the fumble itself's on Gibbs. The fumble's but, on Gibbs, right. Yeah, but, before... but him getting the ball, I just don't know. I just don't know. You can, And I'll just finish with Montgomery. He had one of his best games. He's just a tough, crafty goal line runner. You know, he's kind of one cut, but he's more than that. But then he gets north, north, south in a hurry. Again, Gibson couldn't tackle. They got to get rid of that 10-year vet. Um, made him miss at the line on a pitch, gain of 16. Eluded Armstead at the line, gain of 14. I mean, he had a great game. Caught that ball in the flat for 14, made Burks. That was against Oren Burks. So that's it on the offense, Tyler. They gained how many yards? 442, 28 first downs, yards per play 6.1, and lose the game. All right, Ty. The big decision in Detroit is now what do you pay Jared Goff? What is the magic number? His representation, I would imagine, asks for quite a bit. They're they're not going to say, oh, yeah, he'll take less than – market less than Herbert Burrow Jalen Hurts you know that last wave of deals Lamar so they're probably asking north of 50 but is he a north of 50 quarterback is he is he a quarterback that can be the difference and and break through I mean that's why Sean McVay and the Rams parted ways uh seemed a little silly to scapegoat him for his the league kind of catching up to that offense I like golf I, I think you pay him even if you have to overpay him, you can win with him. He's proven it. Does this game, like you just detailed, he was rock solid. I mean, he he can't catch the ball for Jamison Williams and Josh Reynolds in those situations. But is there an element of special that's missing that prevents you from getting into that upper tier if you're the Lions? He didn't run the ball at all, you know. I mean, he does not have that dimension. They have to play around it. Ben Johnson did. You know, Goff entered the draft as a, a third-year junior. He won't be 30 until October. Right. True. He's, he's entering his ninth year, but he's got durability on his side. Has he ever been hurt? Man, he plays through 
a lot of pain. Yeah. I brought it up in that story. I mean, his, I'll never forget his dad uh, reporting on that. It was at, I want to say it was after his rookie season. So he got the, got the hell beat out of him. Seven games, seven starts, seven losses, sacked 26 times. A lot of people thinking he's just a bust on a bad Rams team. And his dad at one point, he said, Hey, you can't, you can't put this picture in your story, but you got to see this. And the bruise on Jared's back after a hit he took in an exhibition game. It was a just an exhibition game. He got drilled. Man, it is seared in my memory. Just as black and blue, huge, just one of the biggest bruises I've ever seen in my life all over his back. But nobody knew anything, didn't say anything, just played through it. He just and he takes shots and just keeps trudging along. Let's look at his numbers, Tyler, okay? Let's get the chart out here, the yellow legal tablets, and let's look at his number. He's 6'4 on the nose, 217 coming out of Cal. He ran pretty damn well, 478. That surprises me. What do you think his test score was, Ty? 31. 34. Bad vertical, 27. Pretty good broad jump, 9-2. Um, he had a bunch of fumbles at Cal. Um, his passer rating at Cal was 98.9 for his career. So he's got one year left. So they pay him now this off season, right? So mm-hmm. they can work their salary cap to include him. Well, I have no idea how Hendon Looker looked in practice the last month. No idea. Bridgewater never took a snap. So that's where they are. Shall we go to the D? Sure. Tackled really poorly, Tyler. Now, it, I I don't keep a count like I did all those years in Green Bay, breaking down that tape. But just as my player notes, I got 10 misses. So I'm thinking there's probably 15, which is an exorbitant total. They really tackled poorly. That's on Campbell. It's on Aaron Glenn. It's got to be. It's an organizational thing. I thought they really played hard as they always do, and they hit hard. Of course, I thought Baltimore hit really hard too, but um, but they missed plays, man. And we'll get to them here as we go through. All right, Aiden Hutchinson, disappointment. Bats two balls against Trent Williams on the first series on bull rushes. I thought, holy man, this is going to be maybe the best game of his career against the best tackle in the league. Nothing. He had one flush against McKivitts. On a plate, Purdy ran for 21. You might remember Hutchinson tried to stop uh, Purdy with his right arm on a rush against McKivitz, and Purdy went right by him for 21. Did not make a tackle. I'm not real worried about that, but you think he'd make a couple in the run game. Yeah, a very poor day for Aiden, and I would think that would drive him to no end. All right, also outside, they played Akwara for 12. He missed McCaffrey on a 26-yard run in the fourth quarter. Extra 24 yards on that play. That would have been a gain of two. And then they played your boy James Houston, Ty, the guy you went to dinner with in Detroit. Played on passing downs. He played 11 snaps. Got nothing done. Williams handled him. Uh, He tried to do the great dip and rip, and he he gets so low, but Trent handled him. Um, they got to get it. They got a draft here. They have to. Charles Harris was inactive. The other Aquara is gone. 
They just don't have it out there. You can't play Barnes. You can't play Jack Campbell out there. It's just a waste of a spot. And you can't just blitz constantly and put the secondary to, you know, in harm's way. Aaron Glenn had to do that. And it it just it just wasn't enough. You gotta have people rushing the passer. And they got two rushers. Yeah. All right, let's go to McNeil. He's their second rusher. He got a knockdown against the center, Brendel, early. He stuffed Banks on the goal line for minus two. It was a hell of a play. And he got a sack. He bowled that right guard Feliciano in 2.7. And then Purdy ran to him for the sack. The big people inside, they played Benito Jones for 13. And they played Alu Alu, aged 35. He started and played 43 snaps in the NFC title game. Alu Alu or Alu Alu? Pardon, T? <laughs> What'd you say? I think it's Alu Alu. Is it? I think, yes. Okay. But I kind of like Alu Alu. <laughs> All right, I'll go Alu Alu. Tyler, on two of Purdy's big scrambles, of the three big scrambles, he missed them on the way out the gate. They're both on him. Interior rush. He's not going to get to there. He's got to be totally in control of two gaps. He blew it. Then he got a half a sack on the end and a sack when Purdy held for 5.1. Kaminsky and Pascal played that five-tech. Pascal made a nice hurry on the interception. He pulled Feliciano. It was one of the best plays on defense all day. He stayed at home on the reverse for minus four. That's two great plays for Pascal. Kaminsky was okay. Uh, one missed tackle. All right, let's go to the backers. I mean, they kind of need a DT, and they got to have an edge. They got to and they got to have a corner. They got holes, and I don't know. They're, I don't know if Emmanuel Mosley can come back from that ACL. Who knows? All right, linebackers. They lose Barnes after seven snaps. You know, ACL he would have probably missed all of next year, but they said it's a hyperextended, so. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knows. That hurt him. Rodriguez came in, and he's a really good player from Texas Tech. Um, he made some jarring hits. He made the pick. He caught the ball on an underthrown ball on the, on the uh, force by Alu Alu. Nice hands. He missed two tackles. And Anzalone played 66 snaps with three broken ribs. He uh, first played. Kind of flowed to the ball, gain a one, made a couple jarring hits, took a bad angle on uh, Purdy on that third and fourth scramble. He misjudged Purdy's oh, yeah. speed. He did. I forgot about that one. And the gain is 21. Should have been a gain of eight or nine. Costly mistake by their defensive leader. Jack Campbell missed McCaffrey twice, made one play, ran through, gain of zero. I don't know. I mean, when they put on that video graphic that who are the number one picks or the top two picks, Branch, Laporta, Gibbs, and Campbell. And they say all of them have been superb. No, Campbell has not been superb. He's been okay. The other three probably have been, but all right. All right, that's it on the linebackers, T. Go to the secondary. All right, now you talked about there's no Zay Flowers in Detroit. 
Oh, um, I know where this is going. Yeah. yeah, there is. Yeah. I got no tolerance for this. I mean, Gardner Johnson's who we're, we're both right. referring to. I got no tolerance for it, Tyler. None. None. You're in meetings for the last seven months about this kind of stuff day after day after day from Campbell and your position coach day after day talking to you about playing within yourself. If if you take a gratuitous shot, you're just pissing in the face of your teammates. And what the guy do right away, he gets stiff arm by, by McCaffrey in the left flat extra 24 on that play. Horrible missed tackle. And then the interception return. Detroit does not do this stuff. They fear Campbell. They respect Campbell. They respect the operation. And what's he do? Tries to get back at that was Samuel, right? 19. Oh. Illegal blindside block. Now they got a touchdown on the thing. And so you never hear anybody discussing this play on the radio or in the press. Gratuitous shot. Some old grudge he's got against Samuel cost the team 26 yards, you know, but for his, the grace of God, they do score the touchdown. I don't know. I got no interest in that. Melifano, he whiffed on that sack. It was a big, big play, Tyler. He got pushed off by Kittle. I think he claimed it was that you could tell gained a 28 on that over corner route. He got half a sack. All right. Now the corners. So the, Playtime, Joseph was 54, Melifano 41, Gardner Johnson 33. Now let's go to the corners. All right, so they had to blitz. I don't have the blitz number. I don't keep that anymore. But they had to blitz. Glenn knows he's got no rush. He's got to blitz. And so that puts Sutton in harm's way. Um, he has a near interception on the bomb to Ayuk. He gave up the outside on an end around gain of six. He missed Samuel on a on a hitch, gain of 10. Gave up a six-yard touchdown pass to Sutton. Gardner-Johnson was a step late. He made a great stop on Kittle when he beat the block by Juszczyk, minus one on a bubble. All right, we know, we know Sutton. We don't have to get any more into that. And Vildor, man against Samuel, gain of 15. He dropped the pick on the long ball. Um, I mean, he's not that good. Yeah, a great corner makes the play. They're playing with a reject from the Bears, that operation over there. I mean, he's just Spots not that good. Practice squads. Can you get to the Super Bowl with Vildor and Sutton at corner? You probably can't. They almost did. But this stuff, these weaknesses, your vulnerabilities, they almost always get you. And it got him here. Later, he attacked a bubble screen, beat a block, gained a one. I mean, the guy's all heart, so Sutton. They do what they're told, but just not good enough. And Branch had a really quiet day. He had one blitz pickup. I don't know. They're using those safeties so much. Branch only played 27 out of how many snaps? 72? Yeah, uh, out of 66, he plays 27. All right, let's do this. Um, special teams. Badgley made one from 21. I don't think Campbell trusts him. They got to get a kicker they trust. That's half of that thing on the decisions. Lucas blew the punt return down, Tyler. That was right at the time when the whole thing was falling apart. Yeah, it would have been a, a really good play. I don't expect him, everybody to do that every time. But Dave Phipps, the really good special teams coach, thinks you got to do it. 
that's it for me there, Ty. Fantastic rundown. I, I think the first thought that I have is where, where do you find these improvements? Because you're going to have to pay some of your own on that offensive side of the ball. I mean, there, there could be an edge rusher that works his way to the open market. I think Brian Burns, Carolina, boy, they've been reluctant to trade him though. They, they, they they've got a death grip on him. You mentioned Daniel Hunter. Uh, is he somebody that gets to the market, but then you're, you're overpaying. I mean, you're paying one of these edge rushers a, a shit ton of money, which you could be using on a Panay Sewell, a Jared Goff, a Myra St. Brown. So I really don't know. Tyler, I don't know could where it, the improvement comes, the draft, but. Could it be James Houston? It could. I mean, I'm high on him, obviously. He's just different. He's built. Man, he's built different. Even being back in that Lions locker room, and just talking to him briefly, he's got these long arms. He's chiseled. He's 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 somebody that offenses will try to exploit as a run defender, obviously, because he's just not a thick, strong point of attack kind of edge. But he is just a different kind of pass rusher. I, I can still remember that conversation and stories up up at the site. But he'd have these these conversations with coaches, trying to convince them to let him not freelance, but try different things. I think he he really thinks outside of the box and get, gets to the quarterback in some freaky ways that you just don't see out of that position. And he's explosive, athletic. You can move him around a little bit. Is he the end all be all answer? I I don't think you can rely on it if you're Detroit. I mean, he missed basically the whole season with a fractured fibula. Uh, so I, I think you have to draft. You know, maybe you, you compare this team a lot to uh, Ron Wolf and the Packers. Maybe they do at edge with what the Packers did at corner, just draft like two or three of these guys and hope one of them pans out, you know, although they kind of need everything. Yeah, they do. Um, they won 14 games. They got a lot of young players. Everybody else would be envious of, you know. Every year in this league, it's a, a brand new season, and uh, but they got a foundation with Holmes and Campbell, you know. They do. So Wolf and Holmgren, okay, these guys will be entering their fourth year. Wolf and Holmgren, so their first year was ninety-two, three, four, ninety-five. They upset the Niners, and then lost in to Dallas in the title game. So we'll see what happens here, right? This will be their fourth year. But Green Bay is going to be tough, and we've been through the North. The North is a good division. I wouldn't be surprised to see a North team in that Super Bowl next year. But I don't know who. There's a take. I like it. I saw Caleb Williams this week, Tyler. I watched the Notre Dame game when he looked terrible. He had like four picks and a fumble. He was dreadful. But yet I saw enough flashes in that in that game when he was his worst game of the year to think, boy, if I'm Chicago – you're going to be thinking long and hard about that guy. I don't know. He's how pretty exciting. Yeah, pretty exciting. All right, T. Should we go to the memory? Let's do it. All right. So on Sunday, the Detroit Free Press, Brian McCollum, their music critic for about 30 years. He's really good, Tyler. And music is pretty big in the Motor City. And he wrote a long story comparing the music histories 
of San Francisco and Detroit. <laughs> so I'm going to make a little multimedia presentation here. <laughs> I hope everybody's sitting down and prepared. So we're going to technology hit- that Bob McGinn yeah. is going to bring to the table here. Cause I, I have no idea what he's about to do. We're going to step over to the bows. Okay, Tyler, I'll see you in okay. about 20 seconds. Godspeed. The Bob McGinn multimedia presentation. It was a little choppy, a little choppy. Was it? Yeah, you know, things can get a little lost in translation, but from what I could hear through my headphones, through your computer, was it, uh, what's the song? It's in a movie. It's in Back to the Future. Was it? That I don't know. What's the name of the song? Power of Love. Power of Love. That's it. Yes. By Mr. Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis. Lewis. Yes. So, Tyler, at least once, maybe twice, they sang the National Anthem at a Green Bay game at San Francisco Candlestick Park. He's from out there. He's from Danville, California. The whole gang is from the uh, Bay Area. So that, num- that was uh, number one in July of 85 for Huey. All right. So Brian McCap- McCollum talks about <laughs> what San Francisco's got for music, okay? They have the Grateful Dead. Metallica, Journey, Jefferson Airplane, Santana, Steve Miller Band. Now he goes a little bit more modern. Maze, The Counting Crows, Faith No More, and The Dead Kennedys. I saw Huey Lewis in the news twice. I saw him at an island resort and casino up in the UP. And he golfed a couple foursomes ahead of us the next morning. And then I saw him somewhere else, too, and I forgot. All right. They also produced Sly and the Family Stone. I saw Sly at old Jenison Fieldhouse on the campus of Michigan State in 72. They were 90 minutes late. The place was in an uproar. And Sly came in and won the house over. (laughs) All right. So San Francisco is a great musical place. He said its legacy is largely in part by psychedelic rock, dance music, and metal. Now we're going to, now the whole thing is the comparison to Detroit, the Motor City. So I'm going to go over and crank up another song. Okay, Ty? We'll get to Detroit right now. (laughs) All right. Another day. 
are those artists, Tyler? I well, I'm disappointed. I was really holding my breath for you know, little ball with a ball, Kid Rock, maybe uh, the real Slim Shady, Eminem, a lot of Eminem tracks to pick. I, I imagine you're a big lose yourself guy. You probably lean into the eight mile soundtrack. I, I can see Bob going that direction. <laughs> so I, I, I thought we were going that direction. So you're gonna have to fill me in. I went Motown, Tyler, a little bit before your time. You don't know those guys right here. No, I mean, it's a little hard to understand what's going on. It's getting a little right. lost in translation here. That was the four tops. 1965. No clue, no clue on the four tops. No clue. Right? Okay, the got four you. tops. Okay. So now let's get back to Brian McCollum when he discusses what Detroit produced. Okay. I got the story up right now, too. You're, you're not kidding. This is great. Detroit boasts Aretha Franklin, Eminem, Mr. Bob Seeger. As an aside, that's my favorite guy of all time. He's my man. Madonna. She's from Bay City, Michigan, about 80 miles, 100 miles uh, northwest of Detroit. And the vast galaxy of Motown stars. And he lists eight of them, and we're going to go through those in a second, but hold on. So Detroit also produced Anita Bryant, Baker, Aliyah, is that pronounced right? Aliyah? Aliyah. Okay, Kid Rock and Jay Dilla. And after Sly and the Family, McCollum writes, we've got George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic, man. And San Francisco produced Huey in the news. We got, we birthed Ray Parker Jr., writes Brian. All right. So now, you know, Detroit has graced the world with influential hard rock, techno, and of course, the genre that etched the city into its very name, Motown. Now, he listed the eight Motown stars that he listed, okay? Now, it's I think I'm assuming he did it the same way I would do when I was writing stuff. Um, He put them in order of how great they are. And here's his order. Stevie Wonder, Diana Ross and the Supremes, Marvin Gaye, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, The Temptations, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, The Four Tops at Seven, and The Jackson Five when they moved from Gary, Indiana to join... uh, to join Motown in July of 68, those eight. Those eight produced a total of 37 number ones on the Billboard Top 40 hit. So I guess that's it, Tyler. Um, And finally, he said, Detroit and San Francisco reign as two of America's undisputed music capitals, joined by New Orleans, Creedence Clearwater and Great Jazz, Mm -hmm. Nashville, all the country stuff, Memphis, the Blues and Elvis, and New York, New York, everything. All right, Tyler, I think that does it for my final McGinn memory of the year. What a way to end. I love it. And I, I, I'm researching here. I, I'm ashamed. The Four Tops, of course, I know some of those songs. They've got some classics here that I see. So I'm going to do some research. Going to listen to some Motown. Pay, pay some respects. And we will be back for... I'm talking to you into it right now. Another podcast, perhaps wrapping up the Packers for those interested. You're staring at me. You're not really sure what you want to do, Bob. What are you thinking? I'm thinking draft uh, 24-7 right now, Tyler. (laughs) If you want to know the truth, 
senior bowl practices start tomorrow t all right fair enough fair enough well we do have a lot more mcginn brewing with the draft before it's crazy i mean when you really look at the calendar the the combine it's going to be here in a few weeks free agency pro days draft coverage never stops and we uh we're gonna have you covered so bob thank you so much for everything this year this was this was a delight man this was so much fun i i can't tell you selfishly how amazing it is to hang out with you in the virtual zoom world once a week and in person like last week but uh this has been so much fun and just so unbelievably grateful that people want to listen to us uh yap every week like this thanks to you ty and all our great listeners And I'll rope Bob into more. Don't worry, everybody. All right, that's good. See you guys.